So, good evening. Uh, <coughs> so we uh, come to the final six chapters of the Gita. Now, I don't want to lecture at any length on the verses. I'll say a few words about the chapter, and then we'll just have discussion, entertain any questions that anyone may have on any subject. Um, <clears throat> so, the middle six chapters are the theology. The first six chapters can be thought of as the psychology of the Gita, or they can be looked at as, at the same time as a description, as I said previously, of the of the self, um, the Atman, primarily, and the middle six chapters of the Paramatma Bhagwan, the Godhead. <clears throat> and interspersed throughout uh, these first two sections, of the Gita, of course, is uh, some knowledge of nature and, as they say, Atma, Paramatma, or, 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 or Bhagwan, uh, both really, Brahman. Um, and and the, I want to say the metaphysics that underlie the theology and the nature of being uh, described in the first six chapters and so forth. So, in the final six chapters, then, th- those metaphysical statements that uh, are made throughout, there's reference, for example, to the gunas. Hmm? Well, what are they, and what's that all about, and so forth. Um, there's mention of the atma, but the nature of its interaction with the body hmm, is... Uh, not fully described, the nature of material nature uh, in, in a brief ways it's, it's discussed and so forth. So in these last six chapters, then the emphasis is on that metaphysical knowledge, knowledge that uh, pertains to all these things in some greater detail. So we have the, in the first 13th chapter, then the nature of Prakriti, the Purusha, the Chetra, the Chetragya, so the nature of the, the, of the of the of um, the knower um, of the field the field that's to be known um, knowledge itself is what is knowledge itself is described the object of knowledge hmm, the Godhead and so forth in some detail and again as I said earlier then Description of the modes of nature follows. Hmm. Emphasis on the on the supreme person, Purushottam Yoga, in the fifteenth chapter. Um, the moral implications of the metaphysics of the Gita are brought out then in the sixteenth chapter, and the divine and the demonic natures are described. Hmm. Um, a, uh, a delineation on the different types of faith, seventeenth chapter and eighteenth chapter is the conclusion of the Gita, of course, with an emphasis on that which the ninth chapter rested on: <coughs> uh, devotion to Krishna. So, this is a, a section that largely speaks about the canvas, the philosophical canvas on which the, the uh, ultimately the interplay, the leela between Bhagavan and his devotees takes place and the knowledge that underlies the, the canvas, you could say that also underlies the, the art of sadhana. So we have sadhana bhakti, we have sadhya bhakti. And so this is useful knowledge. Well, knowledge is a big word, so we, we use it in, in a lot of different ways in the, in, in the 
in the text. It's used in a lot of different ways. It's not a bad thing, but then there's the bad part about it <laughs> at the same time. So, um, for example, Sambandagyam, that's very useful. Knowledge of the form of Godhead, the nature of his relationship with matter and with ourselves and so on and so forth. Knowledge of our relationship with matter is all very um, useful to um, Bhakti, especially the knowledge about about him and the knowledge about you, us, uh, very useful. Uh, the main thing that when we speak of knowledge and these chapters are about knowledge that we uh, tend to uh, decry to some extent and uh, make uh, a uh, little of is the knowledge of uh, oneness between Jiva and Brahman that um, that advocates either a uh, a false kind of doctrine in which the Jiva doesn't really exist as an individual but is only an illusion as well as um, a type of which would be the the Mayabad in particular, uh, but also the whole idea even of the jiva merging in in Brahman is not appealing from the bhakti perspective, uh, which doesn't mean to say that it it's not an individual, hmm, as in the Mayabad doctrine, but nonetheless it can have some type of merger and live in a kind of homogeneous condition in Brahman, where there's no opportunity for service. This is not desirable from the bhakti point of view. Uh, so knowledge that uh, of this type, and also also knowledge of the self, and is, is, is not, it's important to some extent, but Rupa Goswami writes, of course, in Bhakti Rasamrita, that little knowledge and little detachment can be a little helpful in the beginning stages of bhakti. Hmm. So you can see the extent to which your bhakti depends on some knowledge and some detachment is the extent to which you're very much um, uh, kind of a dead battery. Uh, if a dead battery in a car needs a push. Hmm. If you give it, if it's a standard transmission, you can give it a push. <laughs> hmm. And um, then it will start up. So that push is the extent to which gyan and bhairagya can be helpful to bhakti. But once the battery starts, then it's not very, not very useful, not very helpful. And of course, we have extreme examples of of. Uh, um, Uddhava, for example, trying to give knowledge to the gopis and uh, how it was uh, hardly useful to them, distasteful for them. Hmm? Uh, and he realized himself very impractical. <laughs> they were really teaching him something that is beyond knowledge, if you will. Hmm? The love that lies beyond knowledge and is the essence of of, of, of real knowing, in a sense, meaningful knowing. So, these things are useful uh, to, to some extent, and we find them very useful, so that, that shows that our, our bhakti is just uh, just like a dead battery, so to speak, and uh, it, it needs this kind of uh, push. <clears throat> Gita, of course, is probably described as the civilization of the intelligence in the Bhagavatam, the civilization of the Atma itself, the soul. So some spiritual guidance, intellectual guidance on the chariot, use the Upanishadic metaphor of the body, we have the horses of the senses and the reins of the mind and the passengers, the intelligence. Uh, excuse me, the driver is the intelligence, the passenger is the, the soul. So Gita seeks to to, to uh, uh, grab the reins of the mind and thereby control the senses of the horses 
um, by intelligence. It appeals to our intelligence. The Bhagavatam is more tasteful. Hmm? There, the uh, ultimately was you. Know, you look at the Bhagavatam. It's twelve cantos. You could probably fit eleven cantos in the t- in the tenth canto, in terms of the volume of the text. Um, the tenth canto is well. It's not that 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 much. What is the tenth canto? Ninety nine chapters or something like that. Hmm. Um, anyway, it's the bulk of the book to be sure. Hmm? And um, even in the earlier chapters, parts of it are told and retold in full in the tenth canto. And so, so if you take all that together, this is really what the Bhagavatam is uh, all about, the Ashrai Tattva. Hmm? And so to a greater extent, much greater than the Gita, and the emphasis is there, very tasteful, hmm? describing the attractive activities of uh, Bhagavan, Sri Krishna, interacting with his devotees. Still, some knowledge is there as well to help us as much as, as, as may be required. Hmm? So, anyway, this way tonight we come to these chapters, although I don't want to speak about them. I'd rather give you a chance to ask any any questions, as we often do. So, are there any questions? Yes. When you started uh, your discourse here on uh, the twelfth uh, chapter, special emphasis is given as to the position of the Gyan Mark, but it seemed that from the way you presented it, actually the karma mark is more conducive to the cultivation of bhakti. Whereas one would think that the gyan mark would be... I mean, I can understand for myself it makes sense, but I mean for the for the transcendentalist, uh, you know, that, that's situated in gyan, you, you tended to mm-hmm. deprecate that in, in deference to those that would do this karma, karma yoga. Yeah. You want me to talk about that? You want me to comment on that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a speciality of, uh, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism that, uh, that uh, turns the religious, one of the ways in which it turns the religious uh, world on its head, so to speak. Well, what are you talking about? That, that karma is better than jnana. We, we we the idea the idea is to overcome karma and, and attain gyan. This is the basic idea of dharma. Dharma, artha, kama, moksha. The Varnashram system culminates in moksha, which then retires. One retires from that whole um, affair, and um, so knowledge is the end. Hmm? And nishkam karma is the beginning of the end in that you do the karma but without attachment to the results. And that makes it a yoga. That makes it spiritually experiential. Otherwise, we do karma, we, we follow the prescribed duties of the Veda according to the Varnashram and so forth, which is impossible to do today. But as, as they would do in the classical Varnashram society, hmm, the focus tr- primarily trigunya vishaya abhidya. The focus primarily is on acquisition, pravritti marg. The nivritti marg, the detachment, moving away from the world, is, is, is the smaller section. Of course, big things come in small packages. Hmm. Um, there's a complaint that was raised about Jiva Goswami's emphasis, this is as an aside, on the uh, pada, the line, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. What does it mean? Do you know? Krishna's to Marina. Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. He's Swayam Bhagavan. He means means the original Bhagavan, the source of all. It means Krishna, the source. It means, in Prabhupada's language, Krishna, the supreme personality of Godhead. 
There are other personalities of Godhead. He's the supreme personality of Godhead, the fountainhead of all avatars and all expansions and so forth. So there's one line in one verse in the Bhagavatam. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam and Jiva Goswami says, by understanding this, we can understand, this is the key to understanding the whole tattva of the Bhagavatam. This is the, the uh, Paribhash Shloka. The, the, this, if you get this, this is the password. Hmm? You're in. Okay, now you can understand that everything will revolve around that. Hmm? Um, and he shows that beautifully in, in Krishna Sandarbha. Um, and this is a central point of the, the Siddhanta of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Hmm? Um, we have the two sides, tattva and, and, and bhava. So with regard to tattva, this is the key. Hmm? And the general system is that by knowing the tattva, then you're in a position to to pursue the path in such a way that you can attain bhava. Krishna says it himself in the Gita when he says, Aham sarvasya prabhavo matasavam pavartate timatvabhajantemam buddhabhavasamanvita Knowing me to be Supreme Personality God, it understanding Krishna's two Bhagavan Swam, he's basically saying, then you have the you're in a position to serve me in such a way hmm, that Ragabhava, Buddha Bhava Samanbita, hmm, that you can be united with me in in in, in love. Hmm. Um, it's an obvious point in a sense that uh, love is about giving. And in order to give comprehensively, there are two things that need to be in place. One, we have to give without expectation of return. So we have to, without any ulterior motive. And two, well, in order to do that, we have to find one, the center that can take. You want to give unlimitedly, you have to be able to give where it can be taken. Because if I want to give unlimitedly, but I give, I repose my giving in, in something or someone who cannot take it all, hmm, then I cannot give. Hmm. So both things have to be there. This is the idea of Krishna. He can take it. Hmm. He can, uh, as much as you can give, then he can, he can accept it. And, of course, he can digest it and redistribute it like the stomach does to every, with the food to every other part of the body like no other part can. Hmm? So these two things need to be in place. So this Krishna's two Bhagavan Swami. That's what Krishna is depicted as the enjoyer, the center. Some time ago, one of my students had some contact with a with a Christian, and uh, he had placed an argument that that our God is Jesus Christ, your God is Krishna, our God is the epitome of sacrifice and service and yours is as an enjoyer hmm? only um, so it should be clear that our God is the true God hmm? because spiritual life is about giving sacrifice and so forth and so I was the, the, the argument was presented to me and I said that's fine that Christ embodies a sense of giving and sacrifice and so forth Who's he given to? And what does that guy do? There has to, if there's a giver, there has to be the taker. And of course, that's all a pretext or a, 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 an external view when in, when, in, when in fact the taker, the center that supports the circumference is actually a giver also by supporting the, the circumference in a way that nobody else can. Like, again, I give the example of the stomach feed the stomach, then it can take food and send it everywhere in a way that the hand or the tongue or the eyes or the nose cannot do. So anyway, I said, there has to be a center. This is That is Krishna. That's who Christ is making the sacrifice for. <laughs> you didn't know that. And he's depicted as such, as the enjoyer. Right? He's got a whole harem and, and, and so on. And uh, everything's centered around him and as it should be. So, um, this is in order to, and if, so if you want to give completely, comprehensively, and of course we don't think 
that the giving of the Jesus, for example, is compares to the giving that we find in the context of praying. Hmm? Dying is a small thing, no matter how you die physically. The ego death that's called for is another thing. Hmm? Um, Mahabhu told Sanatan, who wanted to throw himself under the Rathiatra cart, because he felt that he the sores, the open sores on his body, um, were a problem. Because in the past, when Chaitanya Dev met him in Banaris, he embraced him. Hmm? And he thought, he will embrace me again. My body is offensive. I'll throw myself under the Rath Yatra of Jagannath, the the Rath. And it's a form of Vaishnav suicide. But Mahaprabhu stopped him. He said, your body belongs to me. I have many things I want to do. And if I could have gotten Prem by killing myself, I would have killed myself a million times by now. Hmm? But it doesn't come like that. Maybe you will go to Baikunta like that. But the Prem of Braj, there's a method for that. You cannot get it in that way. Hmm? And of course, ego death is 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 obviously part of that. That's book Bhagavatam is about uh, solving the dying problem. Hmm? That's the overriding narrative. The king, Raj, emperor is going to die. That's the overriding narrative, what to do. Hmm? The answer is there in the tenth canto. Hmm? The gopis heard the flute of Krishna and they went. They died metaphysically. They died egoically hmm? to the uh, external considerations of family and friends and village reputation and their own reputation, their religious reputation, moral reputation, and so on and so forth. Um, this is they appear very, very selfish for what they did. That is the love of Bhagavatam camouflaging itself. That, that, that's why it says nasta prayeshu abadreshu nityam Bhagavatam. We have to pay close attention to understand what that book's about. And it's about solving the death problem, which is what? How do you solve the death problem? And you say, well, everybody dies. Your guru died. How did he solve the death problem? By explaining to you that that that, that we're not talking about biological death. Hmm? We're talking about the fact that you, that you don't die, that life is not biological. Hmm? There's a biological life of sorts that runs parallel. Hmm? That uh, with 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 the, with the life of the atma that has no is not born and does not die, as the Gita says. So, and in order to, to 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 understand that, to realize that, to experience that, then there has to be a death to the identity with the biological organism and its ups and downs, its happinesses and distresses, and so on and so forth. So anyway, Bhagavatam is all about. And another kind of dying, a voluntary dying, social dying, if you will. Hmm? And in the context of entering into a social life that's quite extraordinary, Leela, another fellow once a Christian said to me at an airport, uh, and as I offered him the bog with him, he says, I don't need the book. And I said, okay. He said, and he volunteered his answer. He said, because in my religion, we know about the social life of God. And I said, that's a very nice idea. You're thinking that you know such intimate things about God, his social life. What can any other religion tell you? Where else do we find any such information? I said, it's, very, it's a very wonderful criterion that you have established for yourself for determining the, the wealth of your tradition. May I ask about the social life of God? Hmm? He said, yes, he has begotten a son, and he sent his son to the world. Hmm? His, his son sacrificed and so forth. And I said, take this book. <laughs> it's about his father and his mother and his other sons as well, and, uh, and his wife and his lovers and uh, his friends and his cows. And uh, if you... His big brother, yeah, everything. So, but I liked his, as I say, his his criterion. Hmm? Did he say it yet? Yeah. 
Yeah. So, uh, at any rate, um, <clears throat> Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, we have to know who is the, uh, the taker, what is the nature of that, in order to give comprehensively. And this is just one statement in the Bhagavatam. He shows, Diva Goswami, so nicely how the book revolves around this. And so some of the argument comes um, that, well, it's just one little statement. It's how can you make... So the answer he gives is more or less what I said earlier. Oftentimes, very valuable things come in small packages. He says, Vedanta Sutra is full of very small statements, <clears throat> but they're full of meaning. Hmm? So the smallness of it uh, is, is not... Um, cause for dismissing it and look at the big argument that comes out of the whole of Gaudiya Vaishnava Siddhanta Tattvas coming out of this it's a it's a quite a, a powerful um, statement so to know that Krishna is the supreme personality God this that means to know that there is a uh, a center the nature of the center and a, 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 that can take a taker hmm? And this is required for full giving. In order to give comprehensively, as I said, two things have to be in place. They have to be motiveless, and you have to find a center that you can repose the entirety of your giving um, uh, capacity, propensity. So, with regard to your question, yes, as I said, Gaudiya Vaishnavism is, is constantly like tipping the scales and turning the religious world on its head. Hmm? And in Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, that that's one of the ways. But um, with re- I'm not sure how we got there. But with regard to to, to Gyan and the deprecation of Gyan to such extremes in Bhakti, wherein Karma Marg hmm, is considered in, in a sense better than the than the Gyan Marg, when indeed Karma Marg is for ultimately. From from the karma mark with a view to acquire, hmm, with a with a karma mark with a pravriti orientation to the karma mark with a nibriti orientation, that's the junction, the juncture where we cross from religious life to spiritual experiential life, where we cross from religious life to yoga. Hmm. Um, in other words, following the karma marg is all about acquisition. Hmm? In a sense, it's about acquisition. Of course, underneath it, it's about awakening faith in the efficacy of Shastra. Hmm? In other words, you follow this formula. Karma marg is all rules. And do like this, turn like that, face like that, this time of day, do this. When you wake up, do that. When you pass urine, do this, and don't do that, and, and so on and so forth. And you follow it, all that's coming from the Shastra. What's that all about? You know, all these overriding rules and so forth. And uh, then there are different sacrifices to perform at different times. So, Well, ultimately what it's about is that by doing that, one gets the results. It's like a machine. Hmm? You put this much money in, you press a button, and you get that flavor, and it, come, it comes out. Hmm? So it's all about rules. There's no love there. Wherever there are rules, to that extent, there's no love. And on the other side, of course, wherever there's love, there's no rules. Hmm? And it's worth noting that Prabhupada said, the rules of our society will be love and trust. No rules, in other words. Uh, things can change, but... Um, what was his idea and his movement? <laughs> That's another thing. So, at any rate, it's all about rules, the karma. It's very on the low end of the religious spectrum. Hmm? And you follow the rules to get things. And you're not a thing. So, uh, it's almost like a negative hmm? <laughs> approaching God for things that attachment to which it constitutes ignorance. But, Overriding that, of course, is that that you get the things by a certain method that comes from revelation hmm? that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise, hmm. or that you got without 
repercussions that would come by trying to get them otherwise, hmm? negative repercussions. And so you develop some faith in, in the Shastra. Hmm? Later on in these later chapters, he says, Krishna says, Yashastra vidimutsricha vartate kamakarata nasa siddham vapno piti nasukam na param gatim. Without following Shastra, there's no happiness, there's no perfection, uh, can't attain the ultimate goal, and so on and so forth. So, the emphasis on awakening some faith in the efficacy of, of, of Shastra, and then the idea is in time you look more closely at it and you find, oh, there's a conclusion here, it's called the Upanishad, it's a smaller section. That's how we got into Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. The, 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 it's a small thing. But it's a big thing. Hmm? Similarly, the Vedas deal trigunya vishayabeda, mostly with the modes of nature and acquisition. And there's a small part called the Upanishads that are uh, kind of hard to understand, and it deals with something very elusive, the self-consciousness that defies description and so forth and definition, but it's what you are of the nature of and, and so forth. So your faith in the scripture carries you into this. This is the long idea. That's why it said, Atato Dharma Jignasu, and that's followed by Atato Brahma Jignasu. The Karma Mimamsa, the dissertation on Karma Marg, is larger, and it begins with this statement, this aphorism. Now is the time to inquire about Dharma. Hmm? Atato Dharma Jignasu. You're a human being, you should inquire about religion. And the implication is, having required, inquired thoroughly about religion and followed the course, then you get some some qualification to inquire about Gyan, about Brahman, Atato, Brahma Jignasu. Now then after, then now is the time, after having inquired about religion, now is the time to inquire about Brahman. And you learned how to be the best human being, so to speak, and now you can learn that you're not human. Um, this is for the best of human beings, in, in one sense. So, 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 from the karma marg, there's this this transition from karma into gyan when karma is engaged in, and this means prescribed duties in the varnashram. It's engaged in, not with a view to acquire the results, hmm? not with a pravritti or acqu- acqu- acquisition orientation, but nivrti, with detachment from the fruits, because you found out from Scripture that, in due course, that, that the fruits are problematic. Hmm? Even, even if you go, the what's the optimum situation, mm-hmm. optimum result of following the karma mark? You go to heaven. For how long? Oh, it's too long to count. <laughs> Don't worry about it. But the time it ticks down <laughs> in due course. Prapya punyam kritam lokam. Right? Hmm? What does he say? And again, you go there. Chinye marcha lokam. Again, you come down. So you got to figure this out after one of these. Th- <laughs> I did all this. I went there for a long time, and now I'm back. I got to start all over again. Uh, so that's not good. Hmm? Some people have to learn by experience. Some people can learn by hearing. Had enough experience, so then maybe your op- ears are open for some other idea. Hmm? Is, the, is the idea. So then we go, we start to transition, because you can't just jump to Gyan. Hmm? So you have to make a transition. So the transition is that you have these propensities. This is the whole Varnashram. See, Varnashram speaks about a material identity that we don't, that we want to transcend. Hmm? That's why bhakti is not about offering the uh, um, results of one's actions that correspond with one's material propensities as much as it is about offering oneself from day one to Bhagwan, hmm? and then practically prepare to do whatever. You see, bhakti, bhakti is the only thing that, only discipline that calls for a change of identity. Gyanmarg doesn't call for a change of identity. 
Dharma Marg doesn't call for a change of identity. Dharma Marg allows you to stay with within your karmic identity. Of course, you could move within that slightly from a Kshatriya to a Brahmin in the next birth and, and so forth. Some uh, slight change, but in overriding its material identity. In Brahman, you don't change your identity. You're an Atma, you stay an Atma. In Bhakti, there's the ingress of Sarup Shakti. There's a change. There's a whole different identity. Naham vipro na cha narupati na bhiva na sudro. Naham vani na chakri hipati na uva na stoyate va. Kintu prodha nikila paramananda punabhritapta gopi vartu parakamalayo dastas anudasa. This came from the lotus mouth of Chaitanya Dev himself. Hmm? To make this point. And he says, I'm not a sannyasi either. Sannyasi means gyan mark. So although this transition is there in karma, from karma to nishkam karma, hmm? and doing the karma without attachment to the results is supposed to bring the ingress of, of knowledge and freedom from the material illusory identity within Varnashram and identify with the fact that you're a unit of consciousness and... Um, but you've always been that, so there's no, no, there's no real change there. Again, bhakti has the ingress of sarup shakti. Now, in conjunction with that, we can be all that we could be, and we could be what we, what we could not be, hmm? had we not had that ingress. It's something like a person, um, well, you're a guy, and you uh, are who you are, and all, but then you meet a girl, and you fall in love with her. She falls in love with you. You're the same guy, but you're different too. Hmm? You're the same guy, but you're now more than... You feel more. <laughs> you feel like I'm more than what I was. I feel she's with me. Everything's good. You know. <laughs> I feel confident. Hmm? Something like that. So, so you, you, this is the kind of... This is what it means, in a sense, as an analogy, of course. Ingress of Surup Shakti. We fall in love with Krishna. Krishna sends his love to us. We, we take the overture. He asks us out. We go out. <laughs> we fall in love. And so there's a change. This is, what I, this is not a... It's a, it's a subjective change. It's not like changing apples into oranges or something like that. Because you're, you are an object of love. You are the object of love in this world. The Atma is the object of love. As I've many times said, we love things because there are things. That means we're inside of them. We've extended ourselves by way of identification into the thing. So we love it. But the only reason we love it rather than another thing is because it's ours, we think. We're inside of it. So the self is the object of love. It's what we really love. Hmm? Uh, and and so then we meet the, the perfect object of love, hmm? which is why we're lovable, because we're the the part and parcel of Him, who's all lovable. That's why we're lovable. Hmm? And in con conjunction with Him, the medium for which that that relationship um, by which that relationship comes relationship comes about is is bhakti, that ingress of bhakti. We are now. It's a subjective kind of mixing. Because um, you want to say, well, if I get a spiritual body, then it's made of the sarup shakti, I'm made of the tasta shakti, I'm not that body. Hmm? But see, the difference, the difference between, you're not the material body, that's true. Hmm? Because it's asat, achit, nirananda. Hmm? It doesn't endure. You do. There are big differences. You endure, it doesn't. How can you be it? Hmm? But the sarup shakti is, in, is enduring, hmm? and it's it's so it's sat, and it's chit, and it's ananda. It's 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 um, sandini, sambit, ladini, hmm? and so this is a subjective kind of uh, mixing hmm? um, that, like love. Hmm? You're the same, but there's a chemistry that uh, it works with her, and so you are. You become more. You become all that you can be, or at least you feel like that. It's just a, a analogy just to speak about it. So, 
Um, so at any rate, in bhakti, there's a real change uh, in a sense of identity. Now I'm I'm a, I'm a servant of Bhagwan. Hmm? Um, so we're moving anyway from dharma, karma, same idea, to to gyan, to bhakti. It seems like there's a progression there. But in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, as um, Dulal is pointing out, we say karma marg is better than the gyan marg. Hmm? And better to be in a karma marg than in the gyan marg. And this sounds like backwards. Because you move from acquisition, as I said, in the karma marg, to being within the karma marg without acquisition, that knowledge may come in so you can stop pursuing acquisition, the false acquisition. Uh, you get straightened out. You're not the proprietor. Hmm? You stop taking. It's part of giving to stop taking. So there's some progress there. Hmm? Why is gyan not better than than, than karma then? And and so you know it's a point, important point. But the the idea is that there's a there's a certain sangskar for for that is developed for uh, becoming successful in the gyan marg, and it's not conducive for bhakti. Whereas the the uh, sangskar in, in in the karma marg, we want to enjoy. But we have to serve to get it. Hmm? We have to serve, be subordinate, we have to follow certain rules, guidelines, we have to petition the gods and goddesses to get it. So we only want to enjoy in, in that. But then again, there's, there's, a, there's a, a sangskar or a tendency for propitiating, for worshipping, for acknowledging superiority. This, this starts to disappear in Gyan. Hmm? It's self. I'm, self. I'm, in, I'm, I'm in, of the nature of Brahman, and and so on and so forth. The gods start to disappear. The goddesses start to disappear. The, 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 along with not tr- enjoying, comes not working, <laughs> not doing anything. It's a, it's a, it promotes kind of in, inaction, and so what to speak of the Gyanmarg? In Gaudiya Vaishnavism, we're not interested in Shantarasa, which is way higher than uh, you know, Brahma Sayuja. There's, there's just no comparison. And Shantarasa is kind of an inactive meditation on the beatific vision, to use a Catholic term, mm. passive adoration, and so forth. Um, it's kind of low and on the scale of of, of 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 love, um, Dasiras now starts to. Mahaprabhu took note. Now he's saying something. He got me going a little bit. Shakiras, Sakiras. I'm interested. Vatsaliras, Madhuriras. This is in this Ramananda Samvad in the conversation with Roy Ramananda. So. So in Ganmarg, there's this opposite tendency. Then you find in Bhakti. It's going towards inaction and, uh, and, 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 and stop worshipping and not really identifying the proprietor. So, it's, it, so therefore, the statements are there, like Vishwana Chakotitak, what does he say? Kaivalya um, Narakayate. To enter into the Sayuja Mukti is like worse than hell. You, well, to speak of being on the Karma Marg, which means you're trying to do good and get good karma and go to heaven. He said, I'd rather be in hell hmm? than enter into uh, Kaivalya in the, in the monistic sense. Where's the opportunity for bhakti? Who's going to come along in the Brahman and give you association that you can attain bhakti? Hmm? And this is your goal when you're developing a sangskar for, for going there. Hmm? So even if even before you get there, it's going to be difficult for me to talk to you and pull you out of that because you've got a sangskar for something that is of a spiritual nature. Now, if I've got a sangskar towards material acquisition, enjoying the fruits of my work, okay, it's not that difficult to bring someone out of that because you can point out 
it's, it's obvious. You'll have the thing, but today it'll be here, tomorrow it'll be gone. Or you'll work to buy it and get it, and then it'll, it'll become a problem for you because it doesn't work as well or as long, and you still got to pay for it because you bought it with a credit card. And, and so the futility, so to speak, of acquisition, it's not difficult to point out, but the futility of liberation, <laughs> of ending all suffering, all fear, all anxiety, enlightenment, Hmm? The futility of enlightenment? How are you going to explain that to somebody? And they've heard it from the Shastra? Hmm? Hmm? And, they've, and, and they heard the arguments, they've been cultivating it and so forth. Very difficult to pull them out. What to speak of someone that's entered there? What, where's the scope for that? In hmm? all the descriptions of, of these jnanis heading in that direction hmm, who are converted... To bhakti. They're all Jivan Muktas. That's different than Videha Mukti. Jivan Mukti is the penultimate state before entering into Brahman for the jnani. There's still some hope. Because he could meet a devotee. Sugadev heard the Bhagavatam hmm. from, from, from the woodcutter on the order of Vyasa. He was attracted to those. Those Nivrtitajerupagiyamanadbhavosatachotamanobhiram. All these. Uh, kind of verses from Bhagavatam. Hmm? And so, it's a, it's a chance. It's not a good chance. <laughs> no, don't think like that. It's not a good chance. Hmm? That's a hard argument to make. Uh, of course, it seems easy. Sukadev heard it and he went and so forth. But then again, Sukadev also had the blessing of Bhagwan, Sri Krishna in the womb and, 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 and so forth. His father was Vyas, so... Uh, and it's a story to emphasize a point to us. Hmm? The point is here that by association with the Rasika, Bhakta, it's possible for a Jnani hmm, to develop in relation to Bhakti. Shantaras, Dasyaras is maybe the case in, relative to his association. Um, but in but in entering into Brahman, you attain your goal. Who, who Who's... Who's where? What? Hmm? Your own sense of individuality is lost. Who's going to talk to you? How are you going to hear? I mean, you don't have spiritual senses like in a, in, in a, in a, in a, in a bhakti uh, swarup. Hmm? Uh, there's, 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 there's nobody. Hmm? There's nothing. It's, 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 it's a, it's a you know, in Buddhism, it's that's what it's like a, it's like a. There's there's no house in in Brahman. There's a house, but but nobody's home, and the lights are out. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, uh, nobody's talking. Uh, so it seems like nobody's there. So that you know, sometimes we we theologize or we philosophize and say that the the Brahman. Realized person can become a devotee, but this, this, this is talking about the efficacy, the power of bhakti, the opportunity for that. Uh, you know, to give a stretch. You could, it's, anything's possible by Krishna's mercy. It's true. Someone I've given an example. This is a way in which someone in Brahman merged in Brahman and Sahaja Mukti could could develop from there in relation to bhakti. If somebody was a guru and taught you something about bhakti, even from a from a gyan perspective at bhakti as a means to gyan and then that guru helped you in that way and left the world and entered into brahman hmm? and then you you appreciated that but then you met a, a shuddha bhakta somebody in the uttam bhakti school then hmm? you had an interest in bhakti the other things he talked about they didn't stick with you but the bhakti part stuck with you a little bit hmm? now you're learning about uttam bhakti and the different how bhakti is superior to gyan and so forth and and so you become a Vaishnav, hmm? and you get clarity on all these these things. But still, you have some affinity for that person who helped you in your spiritual journey. So you always remember that person, and as you become dear to Krishna, hmm, Bhagavan Sri Krishna, then Krishna becomes merciful, pulls him out of the Brahma Jyoti, and <laughs> so it's possible, <laughs> something like that. Uh, but um, mostly. Statements 
to the effect that the, 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 the Brahman souls, souls can be liberated, speaks about Jiva and Muktas and the penultimate state, the, the state just before the final uh, liberation. And if it speaks about final liberation, it's just an efficacy of bhakti. It's just glorifying the power of bhakti. It's possible by bhakti, but the opportunity for that to happen um, is uh, very rare. Now, you know, there is a way of... Um, speaking about the virtues of, of Gyan, I suppose. Uh, um, and and we do that to some some extent as well in terms of it being a, a, a better position spiritually than than the, the karma. But the Gita very much emphasizes this nishkam karma. Hmm? And um, in, in that, in relation to offering the fruits, not just detaching from them, but to, but to Bhagwan. So it's a form of mixed, a mixed form of, of bhakti. Hmm? And it clearly um, emphasizes it over Gyan. So there's a speciality of, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism to deprecate, deprecate the path of Gyan and give greater, greater emphasis to not only this, the Nishkam karma, but the karma mark in general. There's more hope. Hmm? Or prospect, something like that. That help? Yeah. While you're speaking, I was thinking that uh, it's better to have. I mean, at least in the, in the karma mark, there's there's reciprocation of the, of the senses, even if it's on the main mundane. It eventually can become purified once it becomes this I mean, it's like going to uh, court a young lady with a box of nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to, I mean, nothing is not, it's not going to be very, you know. Yeah. But certainly, to go to somebody with a spiritual path, which is ultimately nothing, it's, it's going to be hard to, to bring people into that path. Yeah, yeah. Of course, Krishna says people, you know, he, he allows people to attain Brahman, and Brahman is... is, is, is an aspect of the absolute brahmeti, parmanmeti, bhagavanity, shabdite. So you can say, well, he merged into Brahman, he got sayujamukti, he's liberated. Hmm. How can you say he's better off than a karmi? Because we're giving a broader perspective, who's, or who's, who's not liberate, we're giving a broader perspective. What is the prospect of a jiva? Hmm. The jiva has a prospect to come in touch with bhakti, but if you don't want it, you're not interested in it, hmm? or or you want it only enough to attain Brahman a little bit. There's a little bit of bhakti in Gyan, hmm? a little bit of bhakti in Yoga, Satpiki bhakti. Then that's what you want. That's what you get. So, um, but you could have had. Hmm? The idea would be therefore. The bliss of Brahman multiplied a trillion fold, Rupa Goswami says, doesn't compare to a tiny atomic particle of the happiness of Prem Bhakti. So what is that? I mean these are, you know, very heavy heavy statements. So it's a it's a kind of a in one sense, yes, okay, to be enter Brahman this is superior to the Kama Marg, but if if let's say let's say you live let's say you live on um the tenth um, floor penthouse of your of, of of a corporation, and that's where your office is. It's a penthouse. Okay, there you are. You have arrived. You are the CEO. It's a ten-story building in Manhattan, and um, you had a six-figure plus income, and so on and so forth. And and I am a doorman. In the building next door, I'm a doorman, and so every now and then, you know, you you get pulled up in your limousine, and you you see me there opening the doors for other people in the building next door, and and you think, you know, and see how I've gone, you know, to the top, you know, something like that. I'm a doorman, but the building that I'm in a, a doorman for has 108 stories. Your building has ten stories. I'm connected with that building and that corporation, and I have the prospect to rise to the 108th story penthouse CEO position and look down at you like you're a doorman. (laughs) 
So we have to evaluate a thing in terms of its uh, potential. Hmm? It's, uh, uh, that's the full analysis. Therefore, we tend to analyze the jiva not in terms of it's just being such at another, but that it has a capacity hmm, to take advantage of the grace that is uh, comes in the form of bhakti and be more than we could be otherwise, but it is the all that we could be. Material nature doesn't have that capacity. Hmm? We do. The Jeev Shakti does. And so if you do away with that opportunity, hmm? yeah. what, what is the value of that? Uh, your prospect, your, you settle for less, something like that. You're not, you're, you don't end up being all that you could be. You end up being, and I've given this idea before, you love to be. But anybody, it doesn't. You don't have anybody can get it. Would you rather love to exist, or would, is it better to exist to love? There's no nobody will. <laughs> There's no argument there. This is the the argument of bhakti over gyan. The gyanis love to exist. It's selfish. How can you have realized the fullness of your potential there? You've stopped taking, but you're not giving. You stop taking from the world. That's karma, acquisition, exploitation. You stop taking. Hmm? But you're not giving. If I can't have it, then I won't do anything. I'll sit in the corner. There's something like that. Hmm? Uh, okay, sit in the corner. <laughs> there you go. Sit there forever. Hmm? So it happens. Apparently. Yeah. So in this way, we, 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 we have to bring in the... After all, we were talking about Varnashram. From Varnashram, you go from, you know, the ultimate is moksha. And Mahaprabhu was not interested in What to speak of Varnashram itself, its, its indirect goal, bringing you to moksha and gyan, we have no interest in that. Mm-hmm. Panchama Purushartha, fifth goal of life. Prema Pumarto, Mahan, Prem Prayojan. This is idea of bhakti. What else, yeah? As a, as a grahasta, aren't we performing some kind of miscommunication? You might be, um, but not necessarily. Hmm. That depends on your... Um, um, sense of identity, if you understand your body as an initiated devotee, to be if you understand that it's not your body. You've heard you're not your body? Well, this is, it's not your body. It, it's, it, the body belongs to the guru and Krishna. So then you think, this is my guru's, guru, this is a guru-given body, a sadaka-deha. It's different. So then you have to think, not what would I do if my guru was here, but this is my guru's. Hmm? So when you think like that, then you can live in household life and everything you do can become bhakti. But to the extent that you don't think like that, then yeah, hmm. then you might be below nishkam, karma yoga. You might be doing working for the fruits, not, not giving them up. <laughs> uh, what to speak of giving? But we we try therefore to give ourselves entirely to Guru and Krishna, and that's better than nishkam karma yoga. In Nishkam Karma Yoga, they're not trying to do that. Hmm. Um, bhakti is, is, is from, the, from the, the get-go, the idea is, I give myself. I don't do things and then give them to Krishna. I give myself. And whatever I do, then, becomes bhakti, as much as you give yourself. But at least in bhakti, that's, in the beginning, there's anishta bhajana kriya, so there are ups and downs. Hmm. Why call it Nishkam Karma Yoga? We call it Anishta Bhajana Kriya. So you're trying to give yourself entirely, where, whereby, as a result of, everything you do becomes an Anga of Bhakti. We talked about it the other night. Brushing your teeth becomes an Anga of Bhakti, as Mishman Chakravitakura said. He particularly mentions brushing your teeth. Hmm? Because you, you, you've given yourself, and this, day, this body, this Guru-given body, it's only being used... In Krishna's service and, and and so forth, you have 
then you may have duties to perform. As a household, you have duties to perform. Hmm? So you, you, you're doing them with detachment. I'm doing them because they're dutiful, and this is the way they should be done. This is my situation. It's like, to set, to set an example, Baladev uses the term the, the parinishta, hmm? devotee. He follows, for example, the Barnashram without any attachment to it. Hmm? Because he's in the society, and that's a Varnashram society, so he follows the rules, does it all right, and he has no attachment for it. He's, all, he's only thinking of serving Bhagavan. So he's not, he doesn't become a Nishkam Karma Yogi. Hmm? Uh, so, now we're not, we don't live in a Varnashram society. Hmm? But, um, we have duties, we have to take care of our children, we have to raise them and so forth. We do that with dutifully and so forth. And but the, the sankar, the tendency that, that, that is we give our I'm giving myself to Krishna. I give myself to Guru and Krishna at their disposal. Hmm? So this is not the thrust of Nishkam Karma Yoga. So you can't call it Nishkam Karma Yogi. You get called Anishta, unsteady yet your bhajan is unsteady. And so there are elements to your body that are material and aspects that are spiritual. As much as the senses are in touch with spiritual sense objects and used in Bhagavan's service, it takes on a spiritual characteristic. That's why we take the Acharya's body and we, it's, 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 it, 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 does, it doesn't die. Therefore, we, we worship that form. He has another form, internal form, but that external form is also eternal. Hmm? You understand? In the hearts of devotees and so on and so forth. Now we have pictures we can put on the altar and so forth. So, it's like a gore deha body. So, and as I said earlier, as much as you use that, perfect the sadhaka deha, then the siddha deha is coming, comes out of that. You, you, people want the siddha deha, they don't want to engage the sadhaka deha. That doesn't work like that. Hmm? You understand? So no, yeah, we don't think that because you you were trying to do bhakti. You have belief in bhakti, faith in bhakti. You may not be um, a siddha, but you, may, you may not be even steady in the practice, but you're doing bhakti. So there are things you do that in, that that are that are indicative of the fact that you're in that learning curve of anishta, bhajana kriya. So sometimes you fail. Hmm? And then you have some remorse. Or you have some remorse about your situation because it preoccupies you in such a way that you can't think of Krishna. That remorse is what keeps you on the path of bhakti. what Mahaprabhu said. Nam nama kari bahudani jasarva shakti tatarpita niyami tasmanarena kala etad jishita bhakripa bhagavan mamapi dur daivam idushami hajni nanu raga. He's saying, there's some anartha in me. Anartha from aparad, or from other things, from 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 karma, hmm. uh, and it's getting in my way, and I have remorse. He's he's this is a verse of remorse, but because that remorse is there, health in a healthy way, hmm, Nam is staying with him. The holy name is staying with him, and eventually, then he'll become steady. She'll become steady in her practice. So, and again, in Nishkam Karma Yuga, this isn't, you're not trying to develop a samskar like this, I give myself to Krishna. There's desire for liberation there. Now, if you have Nishkam Karma Yuga where the fruits are offered to Krishna, that's a little better, but still, it's not the same thrust. The thrust in Bhakti is, I give myself atmasamarpana, self-resignation, like an animal. Sold out, animal, hmm? chained up. Go here, go there. Go bark. Get back in the house. Do that. This is the idea. That's the idea of bhakti. <laughs> Divine slavery. That's not the idea of nishkam karma yoga. And nishkam karma yoga, you're not trying to change your identity. You're working according to varnashram identity, hmm? maintaining it. You're dissolving it in one sense, but. That I'm a servant of Krishna, that I belong to Krishna. I do things for him, <laughs> give him the result, but that I belong to him, that's not the focus.
Okay, anything else? Yes. What are the chance of liberation for demonic people? Persons, yeah. Like chapter 16. What was the... Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. What chance do they have? They have good chance. Because if they become demonic enough, then they can take birth in Krishna Leela. And they can be liberated by Krishna himself. Because you need to be very demonic to go directly against Krishna, like Jarasandha and Kamsa. Hmm? You understand? So they become a big enough demon. It's like, uh, <laughs> um, you know, you go far enough to the right, you end up on the left, something like that. So, <laughs> so yeah, something like that. Hmm? If you become big demon, then then you get, you get the attention of devotees. Right? Oh, he's a demon. If the devotees give attention to somebody, then Krishna gives attention. Hmm? That's a fact. So, that's the Gaudiya perspective on that. Hmm. We don't encourage that, <laughs> but it's possible. If you just become a big demon, because what's a big demon? A big demon, well, I mean... A, a demon is, okay, one person is bad this way. What would be the worst person? He hates Krishna, right? I mean, could, it be, could there be a more demonic person from our perspective than one that hates Krishna? There could be a thief, there could be a murderer, but if he hates Krishna, so that's as bad as you get. Well, those who hate Krishna, they, they, they get the devotee's attention. That guy hates Krishna. Wow. And then... So he's some, he, somehow he comes in the circle of, of devotion, of discussion, and so forth. He, Krishna's gets, he gets Krishna's attention. Hmm? That's a fact. Hmm? Therefore we say, it's better, this is just related, better the guru is mad at us than he's, than, than, and then indifferent to us. He may be pleased with us, he may be upset with us. Either way, we're on his map. But if he becomes indifferent... Then, he thinks there's no hope. What can I do? That we don't want. So, so the and no one can stay in the middle position. So either you got to become a devotee or a demon. <laughs> the more you become a demon, if that's your course, Krishna says, I put them in demonic wombs, life after life. Hmm? They become bigger and bigger demons. Then he has to slay them in his lila, and they get liberation. You understand? They liberated too. Yeah. I always thought it was uh, was a blessing uh, for Jimi Hendrix that Prabhupada pointed out his future. I didn't know what he said about Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix put his uh, face and that of his band members in the universal form. Oh, right. Right, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. It was brought to Prabhupada's attention. Prabhupada said, well, now he'll go to the planet where he will have, where the only light he will see will be the gemstones on the, on the, the snakes in the lower region. Uh-huh. It's <laughs> like, wow, he recognized Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, yeah, significant, yeah. Yeah, and persons, great persons take notice of this then. That's our good fortune, so. All right. Sumad Bhagavad Gita ki jai. Or Bhakti Vrinda ki jai. Oud Premanandi. Pantikalpa Turgis.